Welcome everybody back to the worst take. We got Makana, we got Matt, we got a special guest today. Why don't you introduce yourself, Zach? Hey there, uh, I'm on worst take, and this my my name is Zach Croker. I'm a junior college basketball player at Copper Mountain, and uh, yeah. Yeah, so today what we're going to be doing is we're going to be talking with Zach about different things. Matt's got a bunch of questions that he's going to ask, and then we'll finish off with the uh, worst take, if Zach's got one. Uh, Matt, why don't you start off with the uh, questions? All right, Zach, so you gave a brief introduction about uh, you being a Copper Mountain basketball player. Um, let's just get into like some specifics, like uh, what position you play, what where Copper Mountain is, about the... It, that's a JC school you mentioned, but just a little bit more about what you're doing right now. Well, uh, well, Matt, I'm a three through five, I would say, small forward to you know, a mobile, more versatile center or power forward. And then uh, Copper Mountain's located up in Joshua Tree, a small desert town. You know, there's not a lot of people out there, not a lot of things. It's just a small town, remote city, and it's just uh, basketball and business up there. And uh, as far as the JUCO route, JUCO route's pretty much a second chance for people who just messed up somewhere down the road in high school or wherever down the line. Maybe it was grades or they got caught up with uh, some kind of misdemeanor in court. So, like, it gives people a second chance mostly or it gives people a time to improve their game, uh, improve their strengths and weaknesses, things that can take them to the next level. All right, cool. So, uh so just to start, um, get some background on you, man. Uh, how did you get into basketball in the first place? Well, actually, my whole life I've been playing baseball, basketball, soccer. And, I mean, everyone plays AYSO soccer, and I stopped at a young age with that. But baseball was my main sport, and that's all I wanted to play, all I wanted to do. And then as I just got older, baseball just got slower to me, and that basketball just sped up, and it just got twice as fun as anything in this world. So that's... That's where my passion really derived from, like just playing baseball and then seeing the difference in tempo of the game and just falling in love with basketball. Yeah, so um, just so you guys know, also, as a baseball player, um, you don't really need to be tall. You don't really need to be like that. And Zach is actually a 6'8", two guard. So he's got the uh, the height, the uh, the body type for a basketball player. So, that, I mean, that also makes a lot of sense why you'd – transition from baseball into basketball just being like an athlete like I think most people most athletes start as multi-sport athletes but that's that's cool because you kind of just oh wow you are very tall let's how about you keep playing basketball you can develop a much better skill set than being like a six foot eight second baseman out there it'd be kind of awkward <laughs> exactly yeah honestly that's completely right I mean baseball like athleticism is important but in basketball you got to have every aspect you got to be able to run jump catch everything you got to be able to I mean, height is definitely an advantage in basketball, I would say. I mean, if you have Nate Robinson and Yao Ming going for a rebound, you tell me who's getting that. But, you know, that, that's the thing. But, uh, yeah, being versatile, 6'8", being able to move as a two guard is really important. And that's why, like, one of my favorite players, KD, that's why I, I try to take pieces of his game because he's just a seven-foot guard, and you just can't guard that. You can't do anything. He's going to shoot over the top of you. He's going to be able to get to the rim. He's going to do what he wants out there. And that's, that's kind of where I, I like to focus on and, and take parts of his game and implant it into my own play style. Yeah, so you said uh, KD was one of your favorite players. Um, what made KD like one of your guys that you looked up to like from a young age just watching him? I mean, honestly, it's, it's more of a skill thing with KD. People don't appreciate the things he does 
uh, off the court that get him prepared for the like game play and game style he he has. So the things he puts in and he did off time and like in his off season getting in his bag just growing up, he was able to turn his skill set from being a seven foot big man to being a seven foot guard and be able to move on the wing. So he wasn't forced to stick in the paint. He wasn't forced to just be a post up guy. He was able to put his range to the three point line and just do what he wants out there. And I think that's something that's crucial is being able to play how you want and getting what you want on the court. Yeah, do you feel like you replicated like how you play and like how you practice a lot, like from KD? Uh, completely. I mean, I think KD's play style is simple. He doesn't try to do too much while ball handling, and I think that's a key factor in my game as well. I don't want to be, I don't have the ball handling skills as Kyrie Irving. Obviously, I wouldn't be out there on the wing doing a whole bunch of dribble moves for no reason, not going anywhere, when I could just do one move, get by my defender, and be able to do a pull of mid range. You know. It's things like that that people don't appreciate nowadays. That everyone wants to go for a long-range three-ball, or they want to do the cross-up, hezzy, and stuff like that. People don't value the simple, the fundamentals, the basics, you know. And he does. Yeah. So, do you um just like how you play your game? It's a lot of you're kind of in like on the elbow, or you start like that kind of, or like baseline, and you're more of a quick like twitch one move guy, either to the basket or little step back, hit a mid-range in someone's face, knock it down. That's kind of like your game, wouldn't you say? Completely. And, I mean, uh, I like getting the ball in the post and I like posting up. And if, especially if there's a smaller defender on me, that's where you try to find that your mismatch advantage. And then you play through that and you let his uh, defense, the defense di- dictate, like, what you're going to do. You have to read and react. So if you got a smaller defender, you want to take advantage of that in the paint. And then if you have a slower defender, if I have a slow center, slow-footed guy on me, I'm a – take him out to the range or face him up on the in the mid-range, try to make a move, go by him, or just shoot right over the top of someone. Yeah. Um, so kind of getting into, like, maybe, like, high school. Uh, we talk a lot about football in here, and in football you got a lot of guys that grow up. Um, they get known for playing in high school, but basketball, basketball and baseball are actually different. But basketball more specifically is AAU-oriented. Um what was your kind of AAU situation? Like, how many AAU teams did you play? How long did you play in AAU? Um, all right, so I started AAU around seventh grade, and I started with a little local basketball team with my people and my friends and teams that I've just played with at rec ball and stuff like that down here. And that was my first real taste for rec ball and the AAU lifestyle. And then I moved on to a more um, affiliated program, more uh, – they have more history. I'm, I can't find the word for it, but they're more in-depth AAU team, I guess, uh, team elite. And that's where I really got my real taste for AAU with traveling to different states, staying in hotels with multiple people, just the whole experience in the vans with 20 people and it just cramming people in there. I mean, everyone's AAU life might have been different, but mine was very hectic. And I know for a lot of people, AAU can be crazy. and That's where you get most of your exposure. I mean, you could go to a local high school and be in a small town and get no no type of exposure. Like There will be no coaches recruiting you, no scouts, because just the high school in your league that you play is just terrible or like you just don't have good competition. So coaches aren't going to look at that and base your skill off that. They want to see you play against people that are equally talented or more talented. They don't want to see your highlight against an eighth-grade team. You know what I'm saying? Like So AU is a real big uh, exposure for uh, – any player that wants to 
go to the next level. Yeah, do you think it's like, I mean, I definitely feel like it is, but like, it's definitely a better way to get good players well-known where it's a lot easier to like recruit guys because if you have guys that come from nowhere, like, I mean, the desert isn't really like the best place to get known for playing basketball, but you go and you are playing in tournaments in LA and like all over the place. And because Team Elites, is that a Riverside uh, yeah, it's, it's based out of San Bernardino, Riverside, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, like, you got a lot of more, like, a lot of athletes that have came out of Riverside, Orange County, L.A., and, like, it's a lot easier to get exposure, like, and if you're going to L.A. every weekend or every other weekend and you're playing against L.A. teams, there's so much more, there's so many more coaches, so many more college scouts, and I don't know, I think it's a lot better to mm-hmm. kind of take that route, but it's interesting that, like, basketball does it, like, so much, like, at such a higher level than football where football is only high school so you have a lot of guys that play football in high school and they dominate their high school league but they play for like a nobody league and no one really knows about them and like i feel like that can also happen in like high school um you want to talk about just like maybe some high school stuff that like that helps you because high school is a little bit different a little bit more like story oriented i'd say we're like aau's a lot of like Oh look at this! Like this guy's skill set. We're gonna fit him in, and like he's gonna like only work on his skill set. We're like high school. You kind of gotta carry a little bit more. Would, like wouldn't you agree with that? I completely agree. I mean, once you go back to your high school league, and like you can definitely tell who the star player is, and like the AU uh, just brings every star player. I would say from the local like high school teams around the area they're based off, and they just compile the best players from all around just to compose one team, and that's what AAU is. And then so when these players break off from AAU and go back to high school, you can completely tell the difference in the drop-off of skill because that AAU player that may have only averaged six or eight points on the AAU team then goes to high school and drops 30 a game. You know what I'm saying? So, like, it's just with uh, AAU, you find coaches that are looking for specific skill sets. So maybe you're athletic and you can play above the rim, and then you go back to high school and you're just dunking on everybody and they see that. But in AAU, you can expose, like, oh, yeah, I could sit in a stance as a more athletic player, and I could do this, play defense, and get in a, and just cause problems to the other team. So, I mean, high school is a complete drop-off at skill level, and this is... Yeah, you got a lot of guys, like, playing high school basketball that are football players or baseball players. You know, like, basketball can be their second sport, and you're playing, and you're going up one-on-one against a guy that plays football, and he does not have the hips to, like, stay with you, and you can just blow by him every single time. Where you'll just get have a mismatch and you can just take advantage of that all game. Um, I feel like that's why you see a lot of guys in high school scoring like just an absurd amount of points or just having crazy numbers. Where AAU, it seems like it's pretty even. Like even like, I mean even like really good players sometimes don't have like the best AAU careers and they're like a top prospect and they're like oh this dude's averaging 12 points in AAU, but he's like top 10 in the country. It's kind of it's kind of funny how there's some guys like that where it's like yeah but look at all of his like abilities. You know, like, it's it's totally different. It's pretty cool. Um, yeah, what about, like, some guys that you've matched up against in AAU? Like, what are some guys you've played against? Um, some guys that i played against, first one that comes to mind, I played against Lamelo in an AAU tournament with Team Elite, and we beat them by 46, 47. And that was one of our, like, biggest games because just having a name like that, and, like, in a competition, like, the atmosphere was different, just knowing the crowd was watching you and stuff like that. You could just tell, like, when you play, like, a big-name player, like, those games are – there's a whole bunch of more energy, and it's a lot more uh, fun, I guess. I would say it's more fun, but 
Did was uh, was Levar there during that game? Oh yeah, Levar was funny. Yeah, he was just telling everybody to give Lamelo the ball and to shoot it. And, uh, <laughs> after the game, shook his hand. He was cool. He's a funny guy. I mean, so he wasn't like obnoxious when you played him. Oh no, he was annoying, but he was really cool too at the end. So like, I mean, he, it is what it is. He he talks a lot. He's gonna talk his mess. He's gonna tell his players what to do and just give the ball to Lamelo and watch him work. So that was funny to hear that on the sideline in the mix of playing. So that'd be funny. But besides that, yeah, nah, he's cool. Um, didn't you play? Who was it? Did you play against Sharif too? Um, or no, you watched him. Play. You played against him at a tournament, I feel like. I feel like you told me about this. Like, there's a couple other guys. And who did you have? Uh, you had pictures with uh, Don Maker, right? And Matter Maker? Oh, yeah. In high school, I played against McCure Maker, which is Don Maker's cousin. And now he's, I think, one of the top-ranked prospects of this year in his class. And I played against him in high school, and he got us out in playoffs, and I'm still mad about it. But <laughs> after that, uh, you mentioned Sharif. And I also have a I have a picture with Sharif and Bol Bol from a tournament, which is really cool. And like just seeing people like that, seeing Shaq like watching his son play, like just seeing like there's multiple stars at our tournaments and stuff like that. I really knows like you're part of a a big community. You know what I'm saying? Basketball has a lot of influencers. And seeing Shaq like Shaq, one of the most dominant players to ever be in the NBA, and just having him like at your game or on court side where you're about to play it's pretty pretty special yeah i've got a question for you so um with all those guys obviously um guys like shaq lebron wade they've got their kids down in there um but for them is it different playing with those guys watching you like is there more pressure is it just like a really cool experience or like how is that having someone i don't know if you've ever played with them watching you but like knowing people that kind of thing what would that be like uh i mean it's definitely like an influence like you definitely feel it you can feel their presence but at the end of the day once for me anyways once you get on the court you're just in that mode you're not focusing on just what's going on around you you're just playing and you're in the mix of it and you're just going and then after you might be a little shell-shocked or before you get a little butterflies and you're thinking like wow this nba legend is really watching me play right now and uh one that comes to mind is i actually played against john stockton's son and John Stockton was the coach. So then after the game, you know, after playing his son, after we won, going and shaking his hand, and, like, I just shook John Stockton's hand, he told me, good game, you know, like, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty unique, because, like, that doesn't, especially, like, since, like, I mean, would you say a lot of your AAU tournaments are in L.A., like, for the most part, just because, like, we're, like, the desert's so close to L.A., and you're able to just drive, like, a couple hours and play those guys? Yeah. So it's so just kind of like a of... hub, you know, like... Right. Yeah, um, L.A. is a big spot and a, a good hot spot for, like, talented players to go to. So a lot of players that are in remote areas that don't get a lot of exposure will transfer to a San Bernardino school or a Riverside school because that school has been more established and they have a name. So coaches are going to go there and recruit players from those schools. So, like, you know, if you're in a, a small-town area and you could transfer to modern day, you're going to go to modern day because you're going to get exposed there. You might not have the same success, but at the end of the day, you'll have exposure there. Yeah. And, uh, tournaments, you, you play tournaments wherever you can get them. So there's gauntlets all around the place. I've been to Atlanta, Texas, Chicago. I mean, you, you name it. There's just places all over the place that you got to go play basketball. 
Um, what? Okay, so you're talking about, like, you played against, like, coaches like Stockton and, like, you know, like, some, like, NBA legends. What about, like, your own coaches? Do you have any, like, coaches that really influenced you heavily? I mean, uh, a lot of people are going to tell you that their most influential coach is their high school coach, and that's because they have four years with them, mostly, unless you transfer. And, I, I mean, your development, most of your development from freshman to senior year, that's your biggest jump. And, I mean, you can develop a lot more after your senior year in high school. Like, just growing up, like, just age-wise, you know, like, your body will develop more. You'll get stronger, faster, bigger, everything. But in high school, the biggest jump in skill level is from freshman to senior. And um, i say my most influential coach would probably be my high school coach because he just steered me in the right path and he showed me, like, what hard work is. But I, I can't take any coach I've had for granted because my JUCO coach is a blessing. My AAU coaches were blessings. They just, they all put you on the right path to be a successful person and human, like, like in general. It's not just about basketball for every coach. You know, they put you on the best path as a person and, like, just as a player as well. So uh, JUCO coaches showed me a lot of things I didn't know. High school, I learned everything. And all my AAU coaches taught me, like, little skill sets. So it's just. Do you it's think um, do you think it kind of changes like, uh, like kind of like the hard work aspect and more like the emotional aspect of like basketball and just like life in general? Like, do you think you get more of that like from an AAU coach, from a high school coach, from your JC coach? Is there any coaches that like where it's like just more emphasis on that rather than like basketball itself? Wow, uh, I mean, it really depends on your coach and his the style he has, like the person he is. So I would say my JUCO coach has really prepared me for, like, real-life situations and taught me everything that I need to know as an adult and, like, a man on top of getting my skill set up. And then my high school coach, I got I was there when I was 14, so he just taught me how to, like, grow up, I guess. Like, he just, like, was talking to me through life and showing me little things here and there. And I guess there's just different parts of your life that you learn at different times. Yeah, also, also kind of depends on, like, what, like, how old you are. Like, you're saying, like, you're 14. Like, being 14 and, like, 19 or 20 or something like that, like, it's a lot different. Like, you're not going to be able to get, like, the same life lessons. Because it's, like, 14-year-old, you're, you're not, like, you don't have that much experience. And even though it's only, like, five years later, like, you have so much more life experience at 19 than 14. So, that's exactly. pretty interesting. And I mean, um, like, yeah, the biggest thing with that, like, at 14, your JUCO coach isn't going to tell one of your teammates that, uh, they have to worry about their kid, you know. You know what I'm saying? Like, at yeah. I have multiple teammates with kids, and then I go to high school, and he's just telling me how to do better in math. <laughs> <laughs> um. So your JC, uh, Copper Mountain, you guys are like a higher ranked JC, aren't you? Um. I mean, we're a, a newer program. Uh, this was our third year, in, uh, actually, as a program ever. The first year, we had a head coach and they went to the second round or a third round of playoffs. And then all those players had schools that were getting signed to them, and they got off. And then the second year is when I started my freshman year there of JUCO. And uh, we got into, we were about two games shy of uh, playoffs my freshman year, and we were a game shy our sophomore year. But we have uh, credentials under our belt. Like, we've beaten top-ranked teams. Last year, the, my freshman year, uh, we beat the state champions, uh, and that was one of like their few losses. And then this year, we played East Los Angeles, and 
they have a TV show. The Last Chance You is making like a series about them and where they're only lost. So to say that you beat a team that has a TV show and they only have one loss under their belt and you're that one loss makes you feel good. Yeah, you were telling me about that. That's pretty sick because they, they had one single loss all year and it's against you guys. And weren't you guys possibly going to be on that show too? Yeah, it's kind of crazy. We had our own little TV show then going. We had a documentary going on uh, our first, our second year as a program. And uh, it was going to be on Hulu and everything. And then things just didn't end up working out. And now uh, it's funny that our next year turn around and the team that we're playing has a Last Chance U film in them. It's just funny. Yeah. Um, so the JC route, you kind of got into it a little bit. What's your plan right now? Like, you're going to JC. You're, it's your second year. Obviously, like you know, num- I mean, your numbers have got better. Your team's gotten a little bit better this last year, right? Like you guys. What did your season get cut short with the coronavirus or no? No, our season wasn't cut short due to coronavirus. Yeah, because it's a little bit different, right? Like than like regular yeah. college basketball, like a little earlier. Yeah, exactly. It does start a little bit earlier and a little bit earlier. Yeah. So, um, what are like some schools that you're talking to right now? Because I know your plan is to go D1 or like a good D2 school. Because sometimes it could, you could go to a D1, but there's a D2 school that's way better exposure. You're playing against better players, actually. Um, what's your kind of plan right now? Like, what are some schools you're talking to? Um, schools I've been talking to and have interest from is from Hawaii, Alabama State, Cal State Northridge, Cal State Monterey Bay, which is a D2, and, and Sonoma State. And then there's some NAIAs, Arizona Christian, Cal Maritime. There's just uh, schools that are trying to get a hold of me and, uh, just see where I'm best fit, and that's a really big part of choosing your your next destination as a JUCO product is your best fit. So if I go to this D1 and I'm part of a roster that I'm not going to get any playing time, or they have no plans to actually use me besides just a role player, is that better off than me going to a powerhouse Division two that gives me scouts to overseas or possibly a, a G League or like you know what I'm saying? It's just about opportunities and the people at the next school to fit and what you could do there. Yeah. It's also, I mean, a lot of things can change, but, like, it's pretty interesting. It kind of sucks that, like, because you're planning on leaving this year, right, most likely? Yeah, I'll be transferring at the end of this year. Yeah. So it's kind of tough that, like, coronavirus came right now because this is kind of, like, peak, like, um, scouting time, I would say. Like, this is where you're kind of getting signed and stuff. But it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, so yeah, it's, you... It's, Go ahead. It's funny you bring that up is that... Uh, like with scouting and stuff like that, like schools are supposed to send out people to like take visits and stuff, but no one can take a visit if school's closed. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like everyone's sick, you can't get in the gym and stuff like that. So it's funny that coaches want people to come down and instead they have to settle for like a virtual FaceTime tour of the campus and stuff like that. Have you done any like a, like, like a video calls or anything with some guys? No, or is I'm that like not happening? That, that's coming up in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I feel like everyone's still getting like figured out like how you're gonna do that. You know, it's it's very new for everyone, right, but it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, right. What about overseas? Cause I know a lot of people, um, a lot of younger guys don't really pursue overseas, but you can become like really successful with that. I know you know a lot about that. You want to just get into like kind of like maybe like your goals of going overseas or like just like overall like how a lot of players have like been able to go overseas and been successful. Yeah, so um, NAI, as I mentioned earlier, they have a lot of overseas connects because there's eligibility issues with people all over the place. And so 
people just transfer all around the world to play basketball and you end up finding uh, recruits at different places because of their foreign uh, players that have played it there recently or in the past. So overseas is crucial. That is another world. Like It's real business out there. So if you go overseas and you have the ability to go play over there, they play no games. So say you were to sprain your ankle, like they take injuries so seriously because their whole line, their whole season is on the line. Like coaches get fired if they lose. So if you have an ankle injury and you're not able to practice or play and they see you slacking, like you're going to get cut. So it's pretty cutthroat in overseas like world. So it's not built for everyone, not made for everyone. And having uh, access or exposure to recruits that can get you there and to the next level and overseas is a, a big part of people's choices and where they go to for school. Yeah, I feel like uh, overseas is kind of like an underrated part of basketball because we don't know what's going on in like a lot of the leagues, you know. But some of those leagues, you got guys that are millionaires that have like 15-year careers and are legends in other countries, but like we don't really have a connection to them. But like you got like Australian basketball leagues, you got like Chinese basketball leagues, like so many countries have their leagues. And a lot of them are paying a lot of money, too. So it's really cool. Like, if, I mean, if you're a good player, you can go overseas and have an amazing basketball career. Maybe not get as much, like, recognition recognition in uh, America, but you, you can become a legend in, like, Denmark, you know, like some random place right. that everyone knows you. But it's pretty cool to, like, see how that could play out. Um, yeah, it's, it's funny because, like, you mentioned that. Like, we only know in America, we only know, like, the top 1% of Euro Scouts. Like, we know the Luka Doncic, the Ricky Rubio. You know, we know those guys. We know the Thon. We know the Giannis. But yeah. when you're in Denmark or so like Israel league, and you're just going off every night, averaging sixty, it's hard to get the recognition when you know the skill level competition isn't the same as yeah. the NBA. So people can still have a great career, great lifestyle, making millions of dollars, which is exactly what Ricky Rubio was doing, and then he went to the NBA, and obviously it's just a whole other level at the NBA, but. Yeah, you won't get the recognition you want from overseas unless you're that top one percent. I don't know if you have if you know like much about this. Is it harder for players from America to go overseas? Like, or do they they try to like recruit in their own country, or do they like really like American players? It's honestly just talent and what you could bring to the table. So like, if Europeans are really known for their shooting ability, so that like if you can't shoot but you can jump over the backboard and like be able to 360 between the legs, you know, dunk, and they can't find someone who can dunk at all on their team, like, you're going to definitely put that on the table, and they're going to need yeah. that. So, I mean, it's just what you can bring to the table and what you have to offer that they don't already have in the overseas leagues. Obviously, it's a few years away, like, until you're overseas playing ball, but um, you got, two what, two years left eligibility after this year, like, to play either D1 or D2 or NAIA? Um, do you have any like leagues that you're kind of looking in like that you'd be like really interested in or just not really knowing anything about that yet? Uh, I mean, there's no preference in the league. I mean, obviously, I don't want to go to school for free and be on a free uh, plan for education, and that's been my goal is let basketball take me as far as I can, and that's what I plan to let it do. So I don't really have a preference on leagues, just where it wants to give me a free education. Yeah. Um. I mean, that's all the questions I got for you right now. McConnell, you got any more questions for Zach? No, I think that was pretty good. Um, do we want to get into the worst take? Do you have one, Zach? Bobon for MVP. 
<laughs> there we go. Uh, MVP. If he could play, if he could play five minutes at a time, more than five minutes at a time, Beaumont's MVP in the bag. MVP in the bag, and Taco Fall. Taco Fall for most improved. You know, it's his first year or something like that. Dude, did Taco Fall? He didn't make the All Star team, right? Like he he got the voting, right? Yeah. I know people Taco love voting for Taco Fall. The- well, you know, like, he was, like, voted. Like, he was, like, the third or fourth player voted in the All-Star game. Yeah, Him and but, Caruso. But yeah. they don't – that's not how the All-Star voting works. That's only 33% of the votes. So, if they – I don't really know much about the All-Star voting. But if they vote a guy and he – like, Caruso, the the players – who who decide – who basically, like, vetoes them from getting in? Because I know, like, they, they don't they ever – They can't. LeBron. <laughs> They're like, well, Taco, you played three games and you averaged one point and well, one it's rebound. The media. <laughs> the media ranks their votes, I think, through 15. The top 15 is how it works. And so then they average out the positioning of the players, and that counts for a third. And then the player vote, no, the coach vote counts for a third. And then it's the fan voting, which counts for the other third. And if there's a tiebreaker, mm. then the fan voting is what overtook them. So three three years ago, I think there was a tie. There was a three-way tie for first place for point for guards in the West with Steph Curry, uh, James Harden, and Russell Westbrook. Now, Steph mm. Curry was number one in the fan vote. James Harden was number two, and Westbrook was third. Now, funny enough, that was Westbrook's MVP season, and he didn't start in the All-Star game. <laughs> but... Um, because he was one in both the media and the uh, coaches. But, like, it all comes down to the fan vote because it's what they want to see. So, like, if Taco Fall somehow gets, like, a 14th place vote in the All-Star, like, maybe one year he averages, like, eight points a game or something <laughs> like that. And, like, he gets, like, 15th in the centers in the East or whatever. And he gets number one for fan votes. There's a chance he could slide in. That would so, be amazing. We that need would be to so we funny. need to start rallying for that. Bobon and Taco, Taco Fall. Bobon. <laughs> Bobon and Taco Fall for the All Star game. <laughs> need it. <laughs> All right, I think that's what we got for the interview right now. Thanks for coming on, Zach. Yeah, we'll, uh, thank you guys for having get me. Get this posted tonight, Tuesday. Spread the word. Zach yeah. Croker, overseas MVP. Any <laughs> of the Euro leagues. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. All right, man. Well, thanks for having you, dude. Yeah, Appreciate thank you. It. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. So thank you all for listening. If you guys want to follow us on social media, follow us at The Worst Take Pod. Actually, sorry, we changed it. It's not The Worst Take Pod anymore. It's The Worst Take Net on Instagram and Twitter. So follow us on there to get notified when we have new articles out on our website, theworsttakenetwork.com. And also when we have new episodes and when we do different collaborations, we've done worst takes where we ask Twitter and Twitter kind of tells us like a bunch of different hot takes that we like. Um, Other than that, um, I feel like that's pretty much it for news. Matt, do you have anything else to add? Uh, No, I'm good. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. Uh, Thanks again to Zach for coming on. That was really cool. And we'll see all of you again on Thursday. Hey.